0: Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top.
1: One of the things when we go around and ask about our culture is that people say it feels like a family. And in that, you can go and talk to anybody If I'm roaming the halls you know just you know grab me and say here's something that I'm you know dealing with right now do you have any suggestions or here's an idea I have and so I think that that is the most important aspect is just the camaraderie that comes from the fact that we're a very kind of open transparent organization this is the business leadership podcast and I'm Edwin Frondozo thank you for joining me today I hope you are in good spirits and health. In this episode, you'll hear the conversation I had with Jazz Vice President at Procore, where he is responsible for all Canadian revenue and customer-facing teams, which include business development, customer success, sales, and marketing. Jazz has over 18 years of technology leadership experience, specializing in SaaS, ERP, CRM, and e-commerce solutions. He is passionate about diversity and education in construction and brings a unique understanding and perspective of construction technology as it applies practically from coast to coast. Jazz and I recorded our conversation before the COVID-19 became a pandemic, so we actually thought it would be a good idea to jump on a quick call before producing this episode to check in on each other to see what has changed and how we are all moving forward. Jazz, how are you doing? I am doing really well, everyone, how are you? I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good, uh, considering uh, the situation we're all going through. But first off, for those who are listening, um, I invited Jazz back to just share um, what's been happening since COVID nineteen became a global pandemic? Because our conversation happened maybe a week before it became a global pandemic. So, Jazz, what's going on with you um, personally? I mean, through through leading, you know, leading your business, and maybe some of the challenges that's happening.
0: Yeah, it's a really remarkable change that we've gone through. Um, I think the entire globe's gone through in the past four weeks. And you yeah. sort of look back at it sometimes and you think it's been four weeks, but it feels like, um, four years. Um, mm-hmm. ev- every day is just like, um, you know, uh, sometimes excruciatingly long. Um, but, but that said, you know, we, we, um, uh, had our call, I think in early March. And then, um, after that, we announced a global pandemic. I was actually uh, on my way to the airport to get on a plane to India. Um, mm-hmm which we canceled last minute because it may have been fortuitous because I think it was at the very same day the WHO declared it a pandemic and also the very same day that the Indians um, started refusing anyone on a tourist visa. Um, So totally a blessing in disguise. Um, And uh, the very next day, our our business uh, moved to work from home. So we've been uh, work from home as an organization since uh, Thursday, March 12th. Um, and, um, it's, it's definitely been a, a bit of a journey for, for the organization. Uh, one, which, um, has really, you know, stretched a lot of people in different ways. Um, I think you realize very quickly, at least early on in the process that, you know, we, um, uh, we work with a lot of very young people, uh, who work in very tight surroundings, uh, sometimes have multiple roommates. And so that transition can be very difficult for them sometimes. So there's an emotional toll that it takes in the early days. Mm-hmm. Um, and just sort of getting people back into a, into a you know a new way of working. But uh, the good news is that we fast forward four weeks, and you know we've been really successful at that, making that transition as a business. And um, all systems have been go since uh, since Friday the thirteenth. Um, wow! Tr- tr- not, not, I'm not sure that that's the, there's a reference to Friday the thirteenth there <laughs> anyway, except to say that it only took us about 24 hours to really convert our entire global organization to work from home, and. Um, um. Doing really
1: well Yeah, I want to. I want to ask you about that because I did a number of uh, interviews, um, since the pandemic in terms of you know that virtual shift and some of the leadership challenges. And, and you really touched upon it. So, just for some context, Procore or your organization was anyone working from home, or was it a traditional workplace where everyone came into the office?
0: Yeah, uh, traditional workplace. Everyone comes into the office, and obviously, you always end up having some remote employees um, mm-hmm. when you're a 2,000-person business that has global reach. But in general, the vast majority of our employees were in uh, in office, and um, a lot of it, you know, was due to the fact that we really pride ourselves on a strong company culture, and mm-hmm. a lot of that has come from you know personal interaction, uh, building friendships and alliances. Working yes. and collaborating across teams, um, and so that was fundamentally a lot of the reason behind that. Um, and, and so, you know, making that shift was, I think, a very, a very new thing for for a lot of people.
1: Yeah. Do you see now, now that you're four weeks in, and it, it might still be new, but I mean, like you mentioned, it seems like four years. Do you see a shift maybe when the physical? distance gets let down do you see a change within the organization because I, I can imagine that people are maybe adjusting now and efficiencies may be at the same as it was before or for some cases for some businesses some people are even more efficient
0: yeah it's, it's a really good question I think um, we are seeing the efficiencies and you know there's a there's a sort of a fear that you have when you go work from home like you know how do we hold people accountable and are they, you know, going (laughs) to work Mm -hmm. with, you know, TSN sports center on in the background, right? Right. Yeah. There's there's a lot of things you start thinking about, although no one's playing sport right now, so I'm not sure what they'd be watching, but um, the the reality is we, we were really pleased, right? Because what we found was that, you know, the, the type, the type of um, individual that we've hired historically has been someone uh, who takes ownership um, has full accountability and autonomy in their role, um, and really has the independence in order to sort of craft their own destiny. And so going to work from home hasn't actually really changed anything for us. We found, if anything, they're more accountable to their deliverables, to the business and to themselves. Um, and we've seen really good engagement um, from from the organization. I mean, obviously, um, you know, in addition to that, we've we've put some tools in place. We've um, you know, put together uh, regular Zoom uh, meetings. Uh, mm-hmm. We found ways to collaborate online. Uh, we've uh, he- held, um, you know, all hands calls as a business on, on a weekly basis where historically there'd be monthly calls just to make yeah. sure that from a C-level perspective, everyone in the organization is getting the latest and greatest information. Um, and we found like keeping those communication lines open has been uh, really healthy and productive for, for everyone in the organization.
1: Yeah, and I imagine um, because I come from, I've been I've been doing a work from home for many years, but I imagine it's a little easier to do those all hands on deck meetings now, where everyone has is in front of their computer at this point, right? So there's you're almost getting a hundred percent attendance. The, the attendance is through the roof.
0: Um, absolutely, <laughs> it's uh, and I think everyone just wants information, right? Everyone yeah. wants to know, like. You know, you can watch the CBC. Um, you can watch Justin Trudeau every 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 day at eleven a.m. But regardless of whether you know you get information, I think you, you always want more, um, and you want to know from senior leaders in in the business sort of how they're perceiving current state, um, how they're seeing the world, and you know what what that shining light is at, at the end of the tunnel. Um, mm-hmm. And I think everyone's just really craving craving knowledge and insight and wants to be you know part of the solution so um, in that respect everyone's like super turned on and engaged
1: well that's really great well jazz you know I'm really I'm really happy to hear the update things are going well in in your business and this could be almost another series in the future because I'm starting to get fascinated um, coming from the technology world in my own tech business where we are advocates of remote from home is like, how this digital transformation happened overnight, right? You said the twelfth to the thirteenth, and you guys are all online. So that, that, that I might have to invite you on another conversation later <laughs> to really see how that how that went. But before I, you know, I roll into our past interview, our past conversations, I I'd, I'd like to give you the opportunity because I know Procore rolled out some some tools to help out your community, your client base um, um, during these times as well.
0: Yeah. And, and I think, you know, when we talk about construction, it's, um, you know, our, our mission is really to connect all uh, stakeholders on, um, on a global platform. Um, and in, in order to do that, you know, we need to deliver the level of flexibility and availability to our customers and community so that they can, you know, work safely, um, work in real time, and, you know, continue those, you know, complex projects, whether they're, you know, new office buildings, new medical facilities, um, new industrial facilities and, and so on. And, you know, what we found is that, you know, in, in making the shift from pre COVID to post COVID, um, it's never been more important to be connected, to have a way to connect the field to the, to the back office, um, and to leverage the, the power of the cloud. Um, the other way, place where we've seen some of our customers benefit is also, you know, they've been able to use, you know, the term I've heard a couple of times is, you know, Procore is the is the Zoom for construction. Um, oh, I love that. Right. And it's like, yeah, that, you know, it's, it's kind of the way to think about it, I guess, is just that, you know, you can have um, an owner for a project in one province you can have a contractor working on a job in another province. You can have an architect, a consultant, and an engineer in another province, and because of Procore, they can all come together on a common platform and they can collaborate on on the project and they can keep it going. And in many provinces today, like uh, uh, construction is still an essential, um, is still considered essential, and so people mm-hmm. are still on the job site, and that that's been a really powerful tool for our customers. Um, the other thing I think is just safety, right? Is a really big concern. So. If you really think about a job site, like you got a lot of people sometimes in very close proximity. So maintaining safe standards, uh, maintaining distance between one another on the job site, ensuring there's a really good strong regimen around hygiene and safety um, has been really critical. So one of the things that we did early on is that we rolled out um, uh, 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 pre-filled inspection templates um that were des- specifically designed with covid in mind and we did that at no cost to our entire customer base so today if any customer uh, wants to go and um you know maintain a safe site through procore um leveraging the best and the best available knowledge about covid um they can do that in addition we rolled out integration to zoom as well as integration to microsoft teams so again, if we want to really find a way to connect people um, and allow them to collaborate in their in their remote locations, it just adds another layer of connectivity for those teams. Um, one of the other areas where, where we uh, thought we could really contribute effectively to, to the construction community was also to provide free access. So we we found that there was a, a lot of folks who may have been caught um, you know caught off by by COVID nineteen. I think most of us were, frankly. Um, and if they hadn't yet made an investment in digital te- technology, um, this was an opportunity for us to give Procall for free um, to those customers or, or prospective customers until July 15th um, in order to give them the value of a platform to um, help them through the next couple of months of, uh, of COVID. So so those are some things we've, we've been working on. Uh, there's a lot more stuff that's going, in, going on under the covers, but it's really important for us to, in a time like this, like give back in some way, shape or form. Um, to some of the folks that are out there and, and doing some really hard uh, work in a very uncertain time.
1: Oh, that's amazing. Um, jazz, again, I really appreciate the time for you to drop in and give us an update um, and share what's going on within your world, within the company and within within the construction industry. So again, um, jazz, be safe, be healthy, be happy. we'll uh, we'll talk soon again.
0: Yeah, you be safe too and all the best to you uh, and your family and uh, hopefully you get a chance to get some sun and get, get out and about and maintain social, some social distance in the in the process but uh, um, and, and fingers crossed we see each other in person here sometime soon.
1: Yeah, 100%. Now you'll hear our original conversation where Jazz shares his leadership journey and experience which includes the challenges from going from a sales executive to leading an entire market segment. He talks about maintaining culture with Procore growing to over 2,000 employees, and he also shares his thoughts on fostering diversity and inclusion within your organization. This episode is sponsored by Workplace Digital, a female-led Canadian digital marketing agency, a small but mighty team of leading digital marketing practitioners they really believe in their clients and work as their partners to achieve their goals go to workplaydigital.com to learn more and with that here we go welcome to the business leadership podcast jazz hey thanks
0: for having me appreciate it
1: I'm, i'm really excited to to have this and i really appreciate your time um i guess Scheduling in through your full week that you that you're having, so I feel I feel honored and blessed to have you here. Um, just for those who are listening, uh, me and Jazz we're talking about the word busy versus full. So, trying to be more conscious of uh, of that that word of busyness. Um, <laughs> but uh, Jazz, why don't you start off by introducing yourself to our listeners today? Um, ideally, if you could tell us who you are. And maybe what you like to do when you're not growing or leading businesses.
0: Yeah, so uh, my name is uh, Jazz. i really excited to be on this podcast today. So thank you for having me, Edwin, first and foremost. Um, and while I'm not you know, working at the best company on the planet, Procore, um, I have two beautiful young daughters at home, 11 and 13. I uh, have a fantastic wife who also happens to be a registered midwife, which is a, an amazing career. Uh, brings new life in, onto the planet on a daily basis, which is amazing. Um, and, you know, as a family, we, we spend crazy amounts of time together. So it's uh, a lot of traveling. We're trying to make our kids as worldly as possible, um, get them out to neat new places to see. Uh, we'll be in India very soon. Um, and that'll be their first time there. Um, and then in addition to that, they're kind of into their sports. And you know, whether it's volleyball or swimming, we, we take the time to do the curricular and the extracurricular. So it's a, it's a pretty full, using your words, Edwin, pretty full uh, schedule at work and, and outside of work. So uh, blessed to have uh, all three of them in my life.
1: So Procore, Jazz, talk to me about this best company in the whole world. Tell us, tell us a little bit about it, your role, and if you could share what maybe you're trying to accomplish over the next 6-12 months.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, like a super interesting company, super interesting industry. Um, so we, uh, our mission is to connect all stakeholders in construction on a single unified platform. And it's a really weird sort of um, thing to say to someone who hasn't really thought about construction and technology in the same breath. And what you tend to find when you dig a layer deeper is that there's a huge challenge today in construction mm. related to a lack of digitization, the fact that every construction project is unique, the number of collaborators and stakeholders you have on any given project can be through the roof when you start counting in specialty contractors, general contractors, owners, architects, engineers, and so on. Um, and so, there's some real challenges to solve in in this industry, industry, and one that you know has been sort of underserved by technology historically. So, we're still talking about, in a lot of cases, you know, pencil and paper. Uh, we're talking about scribbling things on the back of um, fast food wrappers or, or on a mm-hmm. two by four. Yeah. And it's a really, really big challenge to solve. So that, that's kind of what we do at Procore on a, on a daily basis. And I'm happy to say that, you know, we've been really successful at sort of changing the mindset and educating the industry around that. And then as I sort of look forward, you know, in terms of the next six to 12 months, on kind of how I really see my team here. And so my team, just for context, is, is uh, Procore Canada. Um, my hopes are really to, to double this team in terms of headcount. And fundamentally, what I really keeps me up at night is how do I enable the next level of managers to effectively support and manage that growth um, and the demands that comes with the highly successful company that Procore is. Um, the other thing that I'm really thinking hard about for the next six to 12 months is about how to scale and maintain culture. So not only is the Canadian business growing, but the business is growing as a whole. And so, it's really critical for me to say, like, you know, it's one thing to grow; it's one thing to be successful. But then, how do you maintain those fundamental building blocks, um, that cultural sort of framework, um, and ensure that anyone who's new into the business uh, gets treated the same way as they as they would have had they onboarded a year or two or three years ago? Uh, but at the same time, really sort of building the next generation of contributors and leaders in the business.
1: Yeah, I mean, this what you're talking about, and I'd love to take a deep dive on on, on those topics, Jess, um, because when I did take a look at, I guess, your past and you came up through sales organizations in different companies and you talk about, you know, one main goal of doubling headcount, can you share with us maybe some specific challenges that you're seeing as maybe yourself as the business leader and what you needed to do to adjust coming from just only, not not just only um, focused and uh, responsibilities on sales, but also, I guess, as a couple's into culture, right? Um, because those who are listening may be going through that right now. And I don't know how many times you've done this in the past, doubling headcount, but I'd love to know, as you said, maybe keeping you up at night. What is it specifically and, and what are the big challenges and, and how are you looking to to do it?
0: Yeah, really good question. And it, it's really interesting to me because I think about my history and sort of the things that I've done. Um, I've managed small sales teams. I've managed large sales teams. I've managed consulting and professional service delivery teams. I've been an individual contributor. And you know through those experiences, I, I think as a leader, at least, like what I've learned is that there's really nothing more important than enabling people um, applying the right processes in order to help people be be successful and to find their path and then to be laser focused on communications, right? And so, you know, it's become even more critical as I've sort of gone from 2000 to 2020. And, you know, we kind of, it's a bit of a throwaway term these days, you know, millennials and Gen, Gen Y and what have you yeah um, but it's it, it's that group that's really forced me to rethink about those three tenants right people process, and communications because this is a generation of people who have a real strong need to have that level of communication want to lean into the business want to lean into the mission and so mm-hmm. if you ask me sort of what have you learned and what's what's critical and how do you scale and grow it's about really focusing on on those three elements at least right now today that's that's most important to me. I think the other thing as well that I've learned kind of working with millennials. And again, I hate to just throw millennials out I promise I'll stop. Um, <laughs> but is, um, is about, you know, as a leader to be authentic, to be available, to be humble and to, to be supportive um, while also having the courage to set direction and to implement the tools and to execute the vision for the business. Right. So um, this is sort of a commitment I've made. And as a 44, 45 year old, you know, I've kind of got that Gen X mentality where, you know, I'm a bit of a naysayer sometimes. I can be negative, but it's, you know, working with this generation of contributors that has really given me um, that perspective. And I'm super grateful for it. So that's really how I think about it. And then when I talk about culture and people, like those are critical. And I think if you really do- deliver those types of tools to them, you know, you can fundamentally grow and scale a business at a, at a remarkable rate.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting. You and I come from that Gen X world and working with younger, new professionals, there, there's a gap, right? And one thing, hearing it from the the top leaders, the executives who want to integrate this, how do you disseminate and keep those open communication lines with the other Gen X or even the older generation, baby boomers who may or may not still be in your organization at this time? because. It's thinking of the future, maintaining, I guess, per se, the culture that was, and moving it forward. Right? Is there? Do you see these gaps? Do you hear about these gaps? And and if so, uh, what type of communications, or is it just more like um, town halls to really to to really get your point across?
0: Yeah, you know, town halls are really valuable. Um, I'll sort of address that question, the first question first, which is around you know, the Gen Xers and the baby boomers. Mm-hmm. The reality is that Procorp, you know, really takes a lot of um, pride in the culture and the foundational framework we've built for the business. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's people-centric. And so anyone coming into the business, whether they're 64 or, you know, 19, um, has to sort of in, in some way, shape or form buy into that. Um, you know, it's not enough to sort of sit on the fringes or the periphery. And sort of be, you know, a naysayer and, and throw rocks at people. Um, ultimately, that you know is not going to be sustainable, and, and those people will, you know, it sounds terrible, but you know they'll they'll exit the business right over time. Uh, yes. And, and so, I guess the answer to your question is, I don't see a lot of those people, right? So the people who have taken this journey are people who will believe in the mission, uh, who will believe in the people that surround them, and want to get the best out of them, regardless of their age or you know demographic sort of uh, place.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting times, and as I have many conversations with different leaders with these changing demographics, um, technology, and I even more so for you within within your vertical and construction industry, it, it, yeah, it's challenging, but there are opportunities for everyone, right, for us to learn and, and be open to that. Um, one thing that's really present in mind right now, and maybe more so for you and, and I, right, and I know you started off saying I have two... Daughters, my wife is a midwife. Um, you know, I mean. By the way, thank your thank your wife. We <laughs> we use we 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 went with a midwife for our daughter too. So we love we love midwives and we love what they do. Um, so thank you for that. Um, but just recently, I- International Women's Day passed, right? So having you and I surrounded by women, um, I'd like to talk about and maybe get your thoughts on how you're fostering diversity and inclusion within your organization
0: yeah um really sort of timely topic of course uh actually my, my mom's birthday is on international women's day march 8th uh, oh, so
1: happy birthday mom
0: yeah it, it, it's my sort of default reminder to pick up the phone uh thankfully there's a holiday it's a, not a holiday but a, a special day that's associated with it um but, yeah, no, so the question is really around diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. It's a really big topic for the business right now, but it's also one for me personally. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways to unpack this question. I think one thing that I'm really blessed with is that, you know, first off, I'm of South Indian descent, born in England. I've spent mm-hmm. most of my adult life in in Canada. So I've got a lot of different experiences, and sort of the situation I come from is not necessarily – you know, not necessarily, it's unique, I guess, is the best way to describe it. Um, and so that gives me a bit of perspective. And, you know, one, one area where we try and lean in and try and make a difference is, you know, through the recruitment process, uh, we really try and be intentional about who we hire and how we hire. Obviously, we're, we're hiring for skill, we're hiring for merit, and we're hiring for the right fit for the role. Uh, but we also mm-hmm. like to run a very clean recruitment process. So where we can, we'll, we'll include uh, women, people of color, um, you know and and other groups within the recruitment process and the other sort of thing that I'm blessed with is that I live in Toronto right yes and so living in Toronto I am in the hub of you know it's multicultural central it's probably the most multicultural city on planet earth and so our team reflects that every day um, so I, I really feel you know uh, excited about you know making sure that the team is reflective of the city that I live in but it's also reflective of the type of organization I hope to build, um, on women's Day specifically, like, uh, it's it's another really sort of key topic for us. So, uh, we actually had some, uh, learning and development opportunities that we ran through the uh, team last week. We had some uh, trainers come up from our U S offices and we set aside time specifically for women to get together. And some of the feedback I got through those, uh, L and D sessions, uh, was that it was great for women to be in a room with just women. And the reason mm-hmm. is that, you know, in a sales organization or any organization where you have men, men can sometimes, you know, suck the oxygen out of the room. They can sometimes dominate conversation. And it's really important for us, I think, as an organization and as people to allow women and other groups the time to really have their own space and to have their own conversations and to work through their own challenges. Um, and I think that's a really sort of critical thing that that folks can uh, take note of and hopefully bring into their organizations as well.
1: Oh, that's great! That sounds like a great practice that uh, you have there going. Um, one thing that came to mind as you were talking and bringing up diversity and and being in Toronto, your organization being in Toronto, a, a city that's very multicultural. And I'm born and raised in Toronto, so I'm really I'm really proud of that. I'm wondering when it comes to Procore and being an international organization, um is there opportunity for you and your organization to sort of be leaders of how diversity and inclusion works? Because just being in the environment that we all quote unquote live happily ever after, right? Um, I mean, this is one thing being Canadian that we could show the world, right?
0: Yeah. You know, it's uh, really funny you say that because within our business, we are exactly that beacon or that light for the rest of the organization, right? So if you go to um, the you know the Australian business or the American business like there's not the same level of diversity mm-hmm. that we see in the Canadian business specifically and that's a real source of pride for me personally. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely spot on. That that's one area where we feel like we can take a leadership role. Uh, we can really show the rest of the world and the rest of the business, you know, how diversity and inclusion is done right. Um, and that's something that you know, without a shadow of a doubt, our HR teams. And our senior leadership teams in the U.S. Uh, stand up and take notice of.
1: Yeah, no, this this is great. And it's been a recurring topic discussions I've had with past guests in the sense that when the leaders are here situated in Canada, um, you know, we should be really raising ourselves as the country and really showing people how to do it uh, on, on a global scale. But uh, yeah, no, that's amazing. And obviously, for those who are listening, um, you know, would Always love to hear from you, Jazz. And, you know, sh- you know, if you need any help or even share some of your learnings, we'd always love to share that out. This episode is brought to you by Workplay Digital, a digital marketing agency that I am super excited to be working with to help grow and scale the business leadership platform and ecosystem. It is a female-led Canadian business run by an amazing sister duo, Ambreen and Aaliyah Sharif. I personally love working with them because they really took the time to understand who I am, my business, my goals, and they not only believe in it, but they also are adopting it as their own. They're helping me with social media, digital advertising, communications, email marketing, graphic design, content development, and SEO please visit them, WorkPlayDigital at www.workplaydigital.com or feel free to email Ambreen directly at ambreen at workplaydigital.com. One thing I I like to talk about, especially being a leader, is um, professional development. I'm like, I'm... Um I'm ai love professional. I've always loved learning, I love reading I love listening to people, interviewing people. Um how do you I guess encourage that within your organizations to nurture um the talent and to allow for independent growth?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a big topic and, and I think the first thing you realize as a leader is not all pods are the same mm-hmm. and not all people are hewn out of the same rock and so everyone needs a different approach. Everyone needs a different sort of source of feedback and everyone, some people are just going to be great individual contributors and they're happy with that. You know, other people have real aspirations to be senior leaders in the business. And so you have to just, first and foremost, you have to know your audience, I guess. Right.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: Um, one, one thing I'm doing this year. So I kind of, uh, came into 2020 and, and thought a little a bit about just through reflection. I thought, you know, what, what, where do I want to spend my time and energy in 2020 and so we talked about mm-hmm. people, process, and all that kind of stuff earlier. And so one of the areas where I committed myself this year is to get uh, more time for one-on-ones across the business. And I think that's a really critical uh, thing that I can do to um, listen to everybody. So you know, historically, I've had my one-on-ones with my you know first-line leaders and, and what have you. Uh, but but you know, this year in 2020, even if it's one or two one-on-ones, I'm committed to getting to every employee in the business. And having a conversation about, you know, what they're passionate about, uh, what gets them up in the morning. Um, if they have questions about me and the business and where the business is heading, if I can help them in their personal growth, then I'll do that. Um, and I think that's really critical. I think as a leader, you can sometimes um, lose touch. Um, and I want to make sure that, you know, I'm really intentional about maintaining touch.
1: Well, I love that, Jazz. Thank you for sharing that. Talk to me how... I mean, you, you mentioned that was through reflection, but talk to me how you're implementing that and how how, how is it going, right? Because we're early in the year. We're oh, I mean, a quarter is done now um, as we're recording this. But I, I'd love to hear how that's going and how you're implementing it.
0: Yeah, so in- implementing it is, you know, more of a, <laughs> to be honest, it, it's hard, right? Because yeah. uh, my time is limited and, and sort of the, 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 the responsibilities that I have are, you know, many and varied. Um, Hundred percent. I've kind of made it more of a, a a reverse exercise where I'm allowing the individual contributors in the business to sign up for time with me. Great. And that has been really successful so far. Uh, we also have a, a team in Vancouver, and so the other commitment I made this year was I uh, was to to go to Vancouver once a month. Um, so I'm there. I'm in person. I'm available to the people that are contributing to our success on the West Coast. And when I go there, I'm also making sure I carve out time for those exact same one-on-one meetings. And those have been really successful. And I've got to meet people in the business I wouldn't otherwise meet and spend time with. Right? You think of a 22-year-old sales development representative who's you know, not only new to the business, but potentially is new to work, period. Yeah. Um, and those are people that I'm getting to talk to right now. and I'm, I'm learning so much about their life and their background and what they're passionate about and, and getting a sense for where they can contribute to the business, you know, today and going forward.
1: No, that's great. I, I mean, I really love that you did that and implemented that. Did you see that or did you, um, did you see this from someone that you look up to or is this something that as you were taking on the role, realizing maybe this was a gap and and you weren't really understanding what people's challenges were across the organization.
0: Yeah, a bit of both, a bit of both. So I have a, I have a a gentleman I report to in Southern California, Mm -hmm. um, who's a remarkable leader in his own right. So um, he, he sort of finds the time for everyone. Um, He's humble. He's authentic. He, remembers conversations and that can be sometimes enough, right? To really make you feel like someone's invested in you um, and takes the time to kind of know uh, what, what you're all about. And I think sometimes, you know, when you get that type of interaction with your leader, um, it can help you produce your best and double down on your investment for the company as well, right? So, so that part of it is is that, but part of it's also, you know, as I sort of looked at, twenty nineteen was a very big growth year for us, mm-hmm. and we bought in, you know, managers where historically there had not been managers, um, and so what we found is that the, the you know the cascading communications probably weren't as good as they could have been, mm-hmm. and in order to sort of you know do do this right, I thought to myself, well, okay, look, we need to build a communication structure that's scalable, that allows us to cascade from me or from, from my executives in, in California down to myself, down to my managers and down to the individual contributors. That's great. But in addition to that, I can sometimes shortcut that shortcut that process and get directly in front of people. And then I can share with them kind of where the business is heading and you know why it's important to them and how it aligns with their objectives. And I felt that sometimes that was sort of the disconnect was, you know, if you don't, if you just kind of, you know, stand on the mountaintop and give a once monthly address, you know, you think you're telling people about where the business is heading. You think you've got everyone on the same page and they're all pulling in the same direction. But it's really that one-on-one time I feel actually sort of is the connective tissue that really makes it real for people. So that's really how I came to that decision. Um, but again, a bit around... You know uh, experiences that I'd had seeing it, other people do it well, and then sort of where I was sensing the business heading.
1: Yeah, no, it, it's it's great, and it almost sounds to me, Jazz, it's like not only being a leader of an organization um, with different stakeholders, employees, all it's it's building a community, right? And I'm I'm really interested in building community. I'm wondering, you know, aside from these one hundred ones, is you know. I mean, because your customers are also community, right? It's like, how do, how do you, or how, how do you foresee building community and, and trust?
0: Yeah, it's a, a lot of different ways, actually. Um, <laughs> it, it's surprising, but I, I, okay. if I had to distill it down to the simplest thing, yeah. it's always about being yourself, um, You know, being open, um, mm-hmm. collaborating with your peers inside and outside of the business. And, uh, you know, be that sort of person that, you know, the old saying is, you know, you want to be the, you want to be the person that someone wants to go out and have a beer with. Yes. Um, so I don't think that's necessarily necessary, right? But <laughs> be that person that, you know, the, your customer wants to interact with, right? You know, give them the time of day, give them a really positive experience, be value add to their business, but also be value add to them, uh, culturally, um, and as a friend. Uh, and I think the people that we have on our team are really good stewards of that, right? So in their internal and external interactions, collaboration is front and center. Uh, we have three core uh, pillars in our business uh, around culture. They're openness, optimism, and ownership. Mm-hmm. And it's really critical that, you know, we're, you know, whether it's open to feedback, open to new ideas, we're optimistic, we're, you know, we're always looking forward and not always in the rearview mirror. And that finally, you know, if we we're going to hit um, roadblocks, we're going to hit speed bumps, but it's really about taking ownership, taking ownership of your personal future, taking ownership of the objectives that you have as an individual, but then taking ownership of the company mission. And I think if we if we do that as a team, if we do that as a society, frankly, in a lot of ways, uh, we have a real big opportunity to build a really uh, sustainable and um, you know solid community so that's one way in which our team has done it internally and externally the other way and, and this is more of a sort of a logistical thing yeah is our workplace experience team um, so i know a lot of the sort of high growth SaaS businesses today have workplace experience teams but that's really internal resources that support our food and beverage needs that support our you know extracurricular needs whether it's you know a happy hour here or going to a special event together as a team. Um, so I think it's really important not only to think about work, but it's also to think about the stuff that happens outside of work so that we can truly become a family.
1: Yeah, no, that's great. I'm curious jazz. Is there anything that you do now um, where you are in your career um, that allows you to continually adjust um, to be an effective, uh, a leader?
0: Yeah, it's, um, it's a difficult one for me. So, candidly, you know, if I get painful feedback, like, yeah, it, sometimes it takes me 24, 48 hours to really process it. Um, but that's where I need to really hear from those close to me and, you know, maybe those who aren't close to me and be really open and authentic about listening to feedback in order to make the necessary changes in the business. And it's, it's always easier said than done, right? If you're, if yeah. you're, VP comes to you and says, hey, give me some feedback. Um, it's, it's not the easiest thing for people to share. And so, you know, I'm trying to find ways in which I can have that conversation, whether it's at the end of a one-on-one, whether it's just opening up and say, how can I help you better? Um, mm-hmm. Those types of things, open-ended, that will ultimately give me the, the sort of the insight into the business that allows me to grow, but also, you know, uh, you know, make a better environment for everyone who's here. Um, and I think the other one I want to point out as well is like, you know, we all have and an, an sort of aspire to perfection, but one thing you have to learn is that there's no such thing as perfection, right? We, we try and get as close as we can, but we're always iterating. We're always finding fault. We're always finding opportunity. And as long as we sort of come to terms with that, I think there's a really good opportunity to grow and to continually grow, right? Which is kind of your, your question. It's not a one and done. It's really sort of a lifelong skill.
1: Yeah, 100%. Because we're always learning, right? As we progress in our career, um, even when you are a top executive, you're always learning something new, right? Um, what are you reading um, right now, Jazz? Um, so,
0: actually, reading uh, Legacy by James Kerr, um, which is a story about the uh, All Blacks and sort of a leadership book that's based on the New Zealand All Blacks rugby team. And uh, it's sort of interesting. I was I was uh, an All Blacks fan. I remember wearing my All Blacks jersey. And I think it was the World Cup in 1989 in the UK. Um, okay. I definitely got a few, um, you know, uh, maybe a few words thrown my way because, you know, you don't want to be the guy in England at a, you know, while the World Cup's going on wearing an All Blacks jersey. is probably not a good move.
1: Uh, um, <laughs> I so love
0: that. My story with the All Blacks began a long time ago, I guess is what I'm saying, but uh, yeah, I was always sort of taken with this team, right? It's like, you know, you you see the haka that they do before a game. Yes. And cool. You always felt like the mentality the team had, and they're just like the, probably one of the most winning winningest international teams in, in, in any sport. Um, always just really got me interested about, you know, how and why they, they sort of created this mentality. And then reading the book was interesting as well because it actually, you know, talks about some tough times that the team went through Mm-hmm. And how, you know, the the management team that was sort of brought in uh, was really, um, you know, really focused in on culture and, you know, a culture cultivated over time um, is really deep rooted in success. Um, and so, you know, they, they took the time to, you know, drive home the sort of the principles of morals and ethics and work ethic. And so one of the neat things in this book is, you know, I think you can almost visualize it right after a game um you know it's always one or two uh players responsibility uh to clean up the change room mm-hmm. so they don't leave it for cleaning staff. uh they don't leave it for anybody else to do but there's always a couple of folks on the team and i guess they rotate the responsibility um to clean up the mud the soil the the muck the blood whatever it might be yeah. and I think that's what really roots people in like you know, the, the actual value of work and the value of team and the value of giving back. And, and so that was really amazing for me to see that. And when you really think about the all blacks, you've got a bunch of 300 pound men who <laughs> yeah. you know, can run through brick walls and, and here they are being really humble and sort of bringing them down to a level where, you know, that they're, they're not sort of, you know, all ego and, um, you know, really sort of down to earth. Right. So I thought that was really special.
1: Oh, that's great! Well, thank you for sharing. Definitely, I'll definitely list that book uh, on the on the episode on the show notes. Um, thank you for sharing. Um, have an amazing time, um, Jazz. I, I'm learning a lot, and thank you for sharing. But I'm interested to know what else is going on in your world. Um, anything that you're excited about? Something new? It could be personal. It could be business. Anything that you'd want to share with uh, with those who are listening today?
0: Yeah, you know, it's um, it's sort of. Maybe like on topic, off topic, but yeah, really focused on kind of how the business, how the world rallies around the um, the issue of climate change. Um, and it's such a you know, and you kind of hear this. You know, you, you look at the news and people have conditions where right? they have PTSD about climate change, right? Because we hear about news and we're like, oh my god, are we going to be able to solve this problem? And is it too big and you know, are we all going to be you know, frying in 20 years? And it's a real concern. You know, the, the, um, the land ice sheets are melting. And so I'm really curious to see how business and private enterprise rallies around in order to solve that. Like yeah, I'm me too. Optimistic I'm optimistic that, you know, we have leaders in the right places that are trying to drive for change. So whether it's a Bill Gates or Mr. Bezos, uh, who just put some of his personal wealth on the line, um, you know, really curious to see how fast we can innovate. And what sort of solutions we can deliver, and how we can sort of turn this ship uh, around, if that makes sense.
1: No, that's great. Yeah, and any anyone those listening who have great ideas in terms of, you know, us as global leaders who really come together to to help find a solution, right? That, that'd be amazing. That'd be something I'd definitely rally out. <laughs> um, before we end, Jazz, any final thoughts, observations? Ideally, what I love is. Some actionable recommendations that you could give to those who are who are listening today.
0: Yeah, um, from from my standpoint, it, it's really simple, and I hope it's sort of come through over the you know past thirty minutes or however long we've been speaking. But yeah, it's like don't over-engineer things. Things are not perfect. Um, you know, it's good to have objectives. It's good to have goalposts. It's good to know where you're heading. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really think of it as an incremental effort. Um, you know, work day to day, identify challenges you need to overcome. And I think most importantly, like take some quiet time to reflect, um, to think about people, situations, conversations, um, and really try and digest the day. You know, and I, I, you know, whether I'm on a train or I'm on a plane, uh, whether I'm at home in bed, like, uh, you know, I obviously try and switch off, but there are times where I just need to take that time to really think about what my next move is going to be. Uh, where there's potential risk um, so I guess the, the real takeaway is like don't um, really you know, think of it as a one and done really think about the long game
1: Thank you um, I guess to close Jazz, can you tell us where we can find more information about you, Procore or anything else that you'd like to share with us?
0: Yeah, absolutely so, uh, Procore is easy, uh, Procore.com that's P-R-O-C-O-R-E dot com uh, me, uh, Jazz Surah, uh on LinkedIn, so just look me up, I'd be really happy uh, to connect. Uh, just let me know that you uh, heard me through uh, Edwin's um, uh, podcast and I'd be more than happy to connect and share ideas, so thank you so much.
1: Well, Jazz, it's been an absolute pleasure, thank you for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast.
0: Appreciate it. Thanks for the time Edwin, it was a real pleasure.
1: That's it, Biz Leaders. Thank you for joining me on another episode of the Business Leadership Podcast. This was episode 157 with Jazz Sarra. If you want to learn more about Jazz Procore or anything else that we discussed, please go to the businessleadership.com/slash 157. Do join me on my private Facebook group where I will discuss this episode, answer your questions, and connect you with other like-minded business leaders. Simply search for the Business Leadership Group directly in the Facebook. Again, thank you to the episode sponsor, Workplay Digital, a female-led Canadian, a small but mighty team of leading digital practitioners. They really believe in their clients and work as their partners to help achieve their goals. Go to workplaydigital.com to learn more. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe, rate, and leave a comment wherever you are listening to the podcast today thank you again. Be your best.
0: Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com.